With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Welcome into the DNVR Bus Podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and it was a busy morning. Uh, who have we heard from? We heard from, uh, oh my goodness, Eli Parquet was first, and then Tad Boyle, and then Dominique Clifford, and then we went to football, and football-wise, we heard from Darren Cheverini first, and then uh, Guy Thomas, and then after that was Jaron Mangum. So there are a lot of a lot of thoughts going through my mind right now. Uh, learned a lot of good things. Uh, always good to hear from a lot of different people. Like they're really fun, and all have different perspectives. Uh, we're going to be digging into everything we learned from all of them today. After I tell you a little bit more after Gre- about Green Mountain Dental Group. So. Green Mountain Dental is the place to go for all of your dental needs. It's a family-owned dentistry. It's super convenient, just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in Lakewood. And uh, they get great reviews, including a great review from our own sales director, Lindsay Sauer, who went out there to have her wisdom teeth pulled out a couple of months ago. And she said it was literally the best experience she's had with a dentist in her life. So take her word for it schedule an appointment at Green Mountain Dental Group. And you know what you should schedule? You should schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam because if you do that, then you'll get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. It's a great deal. Don't let it go to waste. Take advantage of this offer and get yourself that free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. All right. Um, let's see. Where should we start? Let's start with basketball. Uh, like I said, heard from Eli Parquet first, uh, and it was good stuff. You know, he's been spending a lot of time working on his jumper. We'd heard that from Tad before, um, and we heard uh, that again from Tad today as well, saying that he wants to take those shots now. Uh, his teammates want him to be shooting the ball when he gets it, uh, and that's a change. That's very different than what we remember from last year. Um Tad says that Eli is kind of becoming a, a three and D guy. And those are the types of guys that this team really needs in his opinion. 
Um, so that's some good news there. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, I think Eli was in kind of a tough spot last year where his game wasn't totally polished, but he could provide some good things. And actually, now that I think about it, Tad actually kind of talked about this. Like, here's what he said. He said that there are a bunch of guys on the team who are plus-minus players, or plus-minus guys is, I think, what he said. And I think that that's really interesting because he went on to explain what he meant. It's not like guys who, in the box score, like the plus-minus looks really good. It's guys who give you good plays and might give you, like, two really good plays, like a good defensive stop, getting to the rim, but then they just make some boneheaded decision and it kind of neutralizes the good things that they did. And he said that that's kind of the thing that's happening right now is that there are a lot of plus-minus guys. I think that last year, Eli Parquet was very much one of those guys where he would go do something and be like, oh, wow, that's exciting, and then he'd turn around and make some mistake on defense or turn the ball over or one of those types of things. Um, I think what made things tougher for him is that he was a sophomore last year, and I think that it's a lot easier for, for for freshmen to get away with mistakes just because of the way that the fan base kind of feels about them. Um, I think that they're, it's really easy to, to have this bias for... The, the freshman because they're coming in and you're so excited and 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 it's just very easy to say they made a mistake oh well it's a freshman but as soon as you turn into a sophomore even if you really didn't play all that much as a freshman what Eli played like 26 games 8.4 minutes per contest um so even though last year I think that people not really like turned on him. I don't think that that's fair, but, but he was somebody who was, was one of the guys who you would hoped would be able to fill that two spot. Um, that Shane Gatling played most of the season, but you, you were just never quite thrilled with what was coming from that position. And Eli Parquet was one of the guys who was playing there. Um, looking through the stats, played 30 games, started seven of them, um, just over 12 minutes per game, shot 38% from the field, 32% from three, 70% from the three throw line, uh, a rebound a game, uh, two re or two assists every three games, uh, exact same number of turnovers. Like it's it's not super exciting stuff. And he he had his moments, but he also had like the really low floor moments. Kind of like, like, you know, Josh Allen, the quarterback for the bills who like every other week, he does something that's just like mind bogglingly dumb, but then he throws for 400 yards and you're like, well, he's good. I guess he just does a bunch of really bad things. You know, Eli Parquet's highs may not have been so high and his lows might not have been so low, but I think that he kind of embodies what Tad is saying about these guys. If you think, though, about what a jumper could do for Eli, and that's not the only improvement. Uh, I think that he actually changed up his jump shot before last season, um, which is probably part of the reason that things didn't work out so well. Um, and now he's kind of finding his rhythm with it. So that right there is like a good sign. That's like the type of story that you can hear and be like, it would kind of make sense. It all would add up for him to be knocking down more shots right now. But then also, like Tad said, Eli looks like he's on the football team. 
Like he he looks like he's on the football t- team. And obviously, like right after they said, plus he improved dramatically as a shooter. So even though Eli may not have been like the the guy you came away from last season saying, "Oh wow, this this has a future." I think that there's enough reason to be excited. And and it's very obvious how driven he is and how motivated and how important basketball is to him. And, and I think that that is a, a very important starting place, especially considering the type of player that Eli Parquet is. You know, a very prototypical college 3 and D guy, assuming the jump shot improved dramatically, like Tab Boyle said and like Eli confirmed. So... I guess in terms of things he said other than that, I don't have too many notes, but I, I'm I'm interested to see what Eli can bring this year um, and what role he's going to play because there are more competitors for the guard spots this season than there were last year, which is kind of crazy to say because you like lose your starter. But all these young guys can play. And and that's what we've been hearing over and over again is that all these young guys can play. Uh, like I said, we heard from Dominique Clifford today uh, for the first time. It, it's fun to hear from him because the football team has this like the longstanding policy. We've talked about how uh, they don't let newcomers like transfers or true freshmen talk to the media until after the first game which makes a whole lot of sense and it's because like with everything going on they need to like learn the playbook they need to get used to living in boulder they need to know their classes all that kind of stuff they don't have time for like the type of media training that cu likes to give them so that they don't say something dumb or get nervous or like get stressed out any of that kind of stuff it's just easier to take that off their plate at least until they get on the field and then it's kind of open season from there um Things are different, though, with the basketball program. We got to hear from the true freshman, Dominique Clifford, today. Um, a guy who should have you very excited. Uh, he goes by Neek. Uh, that, that is, like, the name on the roster as well. Uh, 6'5", 175 out of Colorado Springs. Um, Gatorade Player of the Year for Colorado last year. Put up 26, 13, and 3.5 and steals in 2.8 blocks, which is just incredible. Um, talking to him though, uh, you could tell that he was excited. <laughs> he got to, to like stand in front of like the buffs backdrop thing that they set up. And he was like smiling, very well spoke, smoke, spoken, um, more. How funny is that though? That I misspoke while saying well-spoken, um, maybe not funny at all, but he has a very good energy smart guy really cares about basketball i was talking about like volunteering at a hospital for a summer all that kind of stuff and he's trying to do it but it's hard to do now all that yeah um but also talked about this group of freshmen and it's a group of freshmen that we've heard a lot about you know this is at worst the third best recruiting class that colorado's ever had um and that i think that would be by like the ratings that would be counting the 2021 class that we're about to bring in uh as one of the two in front of them if i remember correctly so this is a very highly touted class and neek is right up there i think he's he's got to be yeah he was their number one guy in this class um but this group he says that they've been calling themselves the fantastic four uh he's rooming with jabari walker 
and they live, I think, right next to um, Luke O'Brien and Tristan De Silva, who are the other roommates. And like you said, those those four freshmen who are part of this freshman class, they call themselves the Fantastic Four. Um, Keyshawn Bartholomew is a redshirt freshman, so he doesn't live with them. Um, and so he's like around, but not quite as much. Um, he uh, Dominique did say that it might be a Fantastic Five, though. And there is this group of young guys who do kind of understand, like, what their role is right now and what their role will be next year and in two years from now as they kind of become the leaders on this team. Uh, he talked about how, how good it is for his game and for all the freshmen to be playing against all the veterans on this team every single day, um, which makes sense because there are a lot of good veteran guys. You know, Evan Batty, like I, there's – like he he is the epitome of the word veteran. Like he has that YMCA game where he's just throwing passes all over the place. He sees everything, making good decisions, doesn't make all that many mistakes. Jariah um, Horn is very similar um, to him. You have Kin out there, so a lot of good energy coming from him. Um, Tad talked about him as well. Had some great things to say. Um, He's, he was very clear uh, because so so we talked to Tad right before we talked to Neek and right before Tad got off, he got asked like, so since we're talking about Neek, what can you tell us about him? And Tad sat there for a second and said, I'm not comparing him to Spencer Dinwiddie or Derek White. I'm not comparing him to them. That's not what I'm doing. But when you look at the length and the athleticism and the skills that he has, those are comparable to a Spencer Dinwiddie or to a Derek White. The difference with those guys, though, is that they put all those together, made good decisions, know how to use screens, know how to do all these different things that turn them into the guards that they have very obviously become and are still now in the NBA. Neek has a long ways to go. He's 18, probably, but he does have some pretty awesome tools, and it's going to be fun to watch him this season and going forward. Um, I had a meeting on Monday uh, during the other Buffs basketball media call, and so I didn't get to go, but in that call, Tad Boyle said that this year's duo in the backcourt of McKinley Wright the fourth. And Keyshawn Bartholomew is the best that he's coached as the Buffs, which is kind of crazy to think about because of the other duos that you've had in that time. But you, but with those two, and with Neek behind them, with Eli Parquet rotating in however he fits in, and all the other options that you still have, you know, Maddox Daniels, he could play the two, you know, this is going to be a really fun team and it's it's football season so we don't spend all that much time talking about basketball but because these two are going to overlap so much we're just going to have to power through and talk about both because there really isn't a ceiling in my mind for this Buffs basketball team I, I'm not all that concerned about the loss of Tyler Bay mostly because at, at times he disappeared and, and at times he was one of those plus minus players 
that Tad was talking about where he would just make a mistake. He'd be like, you're, you're better than this. You, you're so talented. And just having consistency at more spots may be good for somebody like a McKinley Wright who can be a star who's also consistent. Um, I'm really excited for this team. Uh, other notes from today. Uh, they're trying to set up a scrimmage. Um, typically they have, I think it's the black and gold scrimmage that's on one of the football game days. I think it's before the game typically. So you can like get up to Folsom early, maybe tailgate a little bit. That's what we did. We like tailgated and then went over to watch the scrimmage. And then we went back over to watch the football game. Um, well, I worked the football game obviously, but they don't know whether there will be a scrimmage this year. Um, obviously like fans won't be let in. But the biggest question that Tad has right now is whether they're going to be able to bring in refs for a scrimmage. Because there, he says like there is a very big difference between having the coaches ref something like that and having actual referees who are professionally trained full-time referees do that job for them. And because of COVID and all that stuff, he doesn't know whether they can make that happen. Uh, he's been trying this week, and he says he's hoping to figure that out by the end of the week. Um other notes. Oh, so far in practice, let's start here. So he says that 30 practices is enough to get ready for a basketball season, which is how many practices they have this year. But that's only if you have a normal fall. He says that having the fall that the buffs have had and that a lot of other teams have had where you're not allowed to do team drills. You're only allowed to do your one-on-one uh, -on -one stuff, your individual work, your shooting, that makes it a lot tougher. That if you have your 30 practices after you've been able to run some five-on-five, -five, even if it isn't in practices, then you can make it work. This is different, and it's making them move very fast. Um, and that's kind of tough because there are so many young guys. He said that the standards have been really high for the veterans, you know, when they're working on stuff in practice, when they're doing drills in practice, um, mostly on the five-on-five -five work, if a veteran doesn't know his job on a play, he gets subbed out. If a veteran knows his job but doesn't do it right, he gets subbed out. Um, if a freshman doesn't know his job, he gets subbed out. If a freshman knows his job but doesn't execute his job, then that's when they just stop practice and like teach what is going on here. And it's it's kind of interesting to hear somebody talk about what it's like making those decisions because obviously you want to get guys sharp. That's what's most important is getting your top eight or nine or however many you plan on using in game one ready to go for November 24th. No, 25th. Whichever day is the first game. I can't remember which is which. Um, but also you need to work with the younger guys and you can't afford to be messing around practice. So... It does seem like there is a little bit of stress. You know, it, it, it takes time to learn what you're doing. And a lot of the guys, like we were talking about, you know, Keyshawn Bartholomew, who redshirted last year, he's going to be a starter this year, and he needs to be ready for that. Um, actually, we don't know that for sure. Uh, I think we, we're pretty close to knowing that for sure. Um, Dominique Clifford, who hasn't really played at all. I mean, obviously has not played at all. It's his first year in college. Um, they're going to rely on him. They're going to rely on maybe Jabari Walker as well. Um, so 
it was kind of interesting hearing him talk about that. You know, it, it hasn't been perfect. They're working through all the kinks. Um, but he is very happy with his staff. Uh, Rick Ray is now on the staff, came from Southeast Missouri State, where he was the head coach for the last five years, maybe? Uh, four years? I think four years. And then the four years before that, he was the head coach at Mississippi State. Um, and he brings a, a great track record, obviously. And uh, he joins Bill Greer and Mike Roan as the Buffs' assistant coaches. Apparently, that's all going really well. Rick has good energy. He's a very high-energy guy. Um, and Tad went so far as to say that this is probably the deepest and most well-rounded coaching staff that he's been a part of. So that's good to hear. Um, the way practices are going, basically, each of those three assistants takes a group of six, and they go into their own gym, and they teach them what they need to teach them. So sometimes they're all just working on different things. Um, um, I, it wasn't totally clear whether that was because of the COVID rules. Um, I think that the exception that the buffs got so that they could have football practice, I think that only applied to the football team, and so the basketball team still have to do this group work. I'm not sure on that, though, um, but I should figure that out. Um, Tad says that it works so well, though, that he could just go sit in his office if he wanted to. Um, I think that's it for all my notes on basketball. Uh, we'll hear from Tad again on Friday, and I'm not sure who we'll hear from player-wise, uh, but we'll get another basketball update then as we get, what, that'll be just about one month till kickoff, or tip-off, kickoff, what am I saying here? Nobody kicks anything in basketball. Um, before we get to the football stuff, I want to give a quick shout-out to our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. If you guys haven't tried their beer yet, then uh, I don't know what you're doing. Um, not to spoil what's going to happen on the tailgate show this Sunday. If you guys haven't been watching that, it's been a whole lot of fun. So much fun. Um, trying Vegemite, trying Marmite, trying a whole bunch of different foods from, uh, where were those from? From England. They were all pretty bad. Um, my job for this week though, for my preparation for this show is as usual, I have to come up with like a couple of good bets. I need to be, I need to know my fantasy stuff. I need to know about the Chiefs and the Broncos and what's going on in the rest of the NFL. But uh, what I'm going to spend the most time on is uh, putting together a combination of Breckenridge beers. And I really don't think I'm supposed to tell anybody this, but this is a secret in the middle of the Buffs pod because I don't think anybody who's uh, going to be on that show is going to be listening. So, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what exactly to combine. Um, I'm going to King Supers today to pick up like a 15 can sampler, a couple of other beers. I'm just going to start mixing stuff this afternoon and see what tastes right. Um, so yeah, uh, that's where my mind's at. And I think, I think the best option is to go with some of the fruity stuff. Like the Colorado core might be too fruity that you couldn't mix it with anything. I don't know. I don't know. If you guys have any recommendations for that, though, let me know. Um, but yeah, Breckenridge beers, all of them so good. So good that you can ruin them by mixing them together and still maybe make something good. Um, and check them out if you haven't yet. Uh, the Strawberry Sky is my favorite. Uh, it's a lot of people's favorites. Um, 
just like a nice little hint of strawberry. Like if, if somebody gave it to you and was like, this is strawberry sky, then you'd like drink it and be like, that's not strawberry sky. But then as soon as like the beer gets out of your mouth, you'd be like, oh wait, there is a little bit of strawberry. It is a very good beer. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, you can use the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery app to figure out what sort of, or where you can go to pick up whatever Breckenridge beer it is that you want to try. Uh, so do that. Uh, also, WGT Golf is not only the most popular golf game in the world, it's also the official gaming partner of DNVR. It has become so popular that we have opened a third DNVR clubhouse, and each clubhouse holds 250 people. So, if you don't want to feel left out anymore, you can go download WGT and join the DNVR3 clubhouse by going to dnvrgolf.com. We host weekly tournaments with awesome giveaways, so make sure you're signed up to win easy money and easy DMVR swag. WGT Golf is the most realistic free golf game, loved by more than 20 million players around the globe. Uh, play WGT Golf from the comfort of your couch or anywhere on the go. You can play on your smartphone, on your iPad, on your desktop, like on just like your browser, you can play this game. Um, it's so much fun. There's so many different game modes from closest to the hole to stroke play to skins to just like a match play. There's so many options. There's even a top golf mode. If you don't want to actually go to top golf, you just want to sit on your couch and play top golf. Well, boom, you can do it right there and you can play with friends. Obviously that's the whole point is that you get on, join the DMVR three clubhouse so that you can play in all of our tournaments and be competitive and play head to head with dmvr community members and also players from all over the world um at courses like pebble beach bethpage black st andrews bandon dunes wolf creek so many things that are so cool about this game uh you, they, the real life brands have made all of their clubs all of their apparel all of their like balls and stuff for the game as well like Titleist, Callaway, Ping, TaylorMade. So go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT Golf today. Okay. Um, football. What did we learn? Um, talk to Chev. Uh, he talked a little bit about uh, when he was a receiver at Colorado and Carl Durrell was his coach. Um, he says that he like tells all those stories all the time to everybody um on the team um there was also some talk about having uh, carl around to coach his receivers and he said that they have like pretty similar styles it's you know good to have more voices that kind of stuff um he also talked about the the w way that he coaches receivers you know making them resilient um and understanding what their jobs are and how to play football rather than just thinking about receiver. And then Kai talked about like why that's why so many of these buffs receivers are prepared for the next level. Um, you know, Bryce Bobo just got cut again by the Patriots. We'll see what happens there. But just yesterday, Tony Brown got called up by uh, the Washington football team and you know, he's probably going to be on the field on Sunday, which would be really cool to see. Um, so keep an eye out for that as well. Don't miss that because Tony Brown, if he makes a couple big plays, that would be huge for him, obviously. Um, but then all the other guys that we know about, I mean, Visca's the big name. Um, so that was some good stuff there. Oh, 
it does remind me, uh, Jaron Mangum, who we talked to, uh, I asked him about the playbook and whether it was tough, like learning the new scheme and all that kind of stuff. And he said it really wasn't. Um, and we're going to read too much into that now that a lot of things kind of are similar, uh, which is something that I, I like. I don't think last year's offense was all that far off from what it needed to be. I think that you could throw a, little, a couple more like quirks to it. And that's basically like what Jaron Mangum said he's seen happen so far. Um, that there are some more like schemes in it. You know, and we've heard other people hint at how, you know, Chev is going to bring a little bit of the air raid with him just because, you know, he was at Texas Tech. And that's something that while he isn't necessarily an air raid coach, he spent time learning from air raid coaches and he probably saw some ideas that he liked. And you mix those in with probably some more West Coast stuff from Carl Durrell. Hopefully some more misdirection type stuff. Uh, We've heard that the tight end is going to have more or is going to be involved in more route concepts or passing concepts, which basically means that when the idea of the play is, oh, there's uh, cover two, so we want to attack the deep middle of the field. Well, let's have this guy go up toward the safety and break outside, see if we can pull the safety on that half of the field to the sideline so that Brady Russell's open up the middle. Um, either that or the safety will be like, oh, here comes Brady. Don't give him the middle of the field, and they'll stick to him. And then you have the sideline guy. The guy who's breaking out will be open. You know, all of those kinds of things will have more tight end involvement. And so we're kind of just picking up these little bits and pieces of what we're going to see. But I think that the number one thing that we've learned in talking with people close to the program about this offense is that there may not be a whole lot of changes to the kind of like the meat and potatoes to it. You know, there's still a lot of like running up the middle, um, that sort of thing. Um, But I think that it's the creativity or, or the ability to catch defenses off guard, the, the versatility, you know, the, that's where coaches like to say we're very multiple. And sometimes they'll even use the word like multiplicity, you know, it'll be like, well, okay, surely there's a better way to explain that. But that's what I expect this difference to be in the offense is that there might be a drive where they just go air raid where they say, you know what, we're going to get four receivers on the field. We're going to go hurry up and we're just going to run you down the field real quick. And, and they'll do that at a time when the defense isn't expecting it. You know, I, I've told this story on this podcast a couple of times, um, but Bobby Houck, the the head coach at Montana, which obviously where I'm from, where I went to school, where I first started reporting on sports, um, my first year like doing interviews and stuff was with him. And it's super cool because although there's like people who don't like him for various reasons, He's one of the most successful coaches in FCS history. But there's like this legend of him back in the day um, when Montana's playing Idaho, back when Idaho was good, before they went up to the FBS, but when they're in the FCS um, and proving that they deserve to be up a level. There was one game where Montana was playing them um, out in like the Kibbe Dome. And what Bobby Houck did was just implement an entire triple option offense. And so just for that one game, they just went triple option. 
and Idaho had no idea it was coming. Montana just smoked them. And I think that might have been, I don't think it was one of the national championship game years. But but it's that sort of thing where you can just have this piece that you can just throw at a defense whenever and know that you're catching them off guard. Um, and I think that we'll see more of that this year because that's kind of what the West Coast offense has turned into. And I think that maybe more than the the tough to remember um, like language terminology that comes with the West Coast with all the numbers and everything is so deep. And you, I think I think it's Graham Harrell who is obviously an air raid guy. He's the offensive coordinator at USC right now, but he comes from, I think, was he also Texas Tech? I think he was Texas Tech. Um, but when he went to the Packers um, as a quarterback, um, probably in the mid-2000s, he said that everybody up there almost took pride in how complicated the playbook was and how difficult it was to learn the terminology and that that was what really sold him on the air raid because it is so simple because you're not asking people to learn all this complicated stuff and so when you think west coast you think okay it's going to be complicated it's going to put a lot of stress on the quarterback's brain to remember all these different things on everybody else too and i think that maybe that aspect of the west coast is dying out a little bit but you're seeing more of the misdirection. You know, we, we talk about this a lot, but, you know, the the tight end screens alone. I bet if you look through the teams and just, like, ranked who throws screens to tight ends, there will be a disproportionate amount of West Coast teams. Like, all of them up, up at the top are going to be West Coast teams. You know, putting guys in motion, moving the defense around. That is more how I see a West Coast offense than just, like, the simple basics that came from the 80s with the 49ers. Um, and I think that that's what Carl Durrell will likely bring more than anything else is, are these sorts of misdirection um, type things. I don't know. This was a bit of a tangent. But just because we heard from Jaron Mangum say that there are more pieces and there are more schemes um it's just one more bit of evidence that kind of pushes you toward believing that that is what we're going to see from the Buffs offense this season. Um, where are we? Uh, Jaron also said that he uh, feels like he's learned a lot from year one to year two, that things seem to be, um, he he's having a, a, an easier time processing what's happening in front of him, um, whether that is like, hitting the hold, uh, knowing where to run the ball. But also he said this in particular is like the blitz pickups. Like he knows what his job is. And so he can just go do his job. And he thinks that he's taken a pretty big step forward mentally going into his second season. Because remember, he was only a true freshman last year. And at times he'd looked like it. You know, I, I think that probably the biggest knock on him was that... <sighs> I guess the biggest knock was probably the lack of explosiveness, but I think that you probably could trace that back to struggles, finding the holes, knowing how to hit the holes. Um, it kind of reminds me, I went back and watched the Bronco game last night, and one of the things that you notice about Phil Lindsay is that he doesn't have great vision. He He has good vision, but because he's so fast, 
sometimes he outruns what he sees. And so that's why you see sometimes where he just like runs into the back of a lineman. What he does have is like a good feel. And when he hits the hole, it's like he knows, okay, this guy's coming for the right. This guy's coming for the left. And he wiggles through similar to an Alex Fontenot, um, where Jaron still has those sorts of vision problems, but also maybe more of a feel issue. He, he isn't the smoothest runner and that guys are just kind of like glancing off of him. Sometimes like he just gets hit and goes down and he's so big that you don't expect that. Um, I think that you look through the advanced stats uh, from pro football focus and he was very close to the bottom in terms of break broken tackles per rushing attempt as a, as a Pac-12 running back. Um, and that's really the thing that he needs to take a step forward with is just adding that ability to make guys miss, to brush off tacklers, um, just to get more out of a run than it looks like there is there because that's something that Alex Fontenot will provide you. Um, if you give him a bad offensive line, he's going to find a way typically to get that ball back to the line of scrimmage. I don't know if that's true of Jeremy Mangum, even though he is so big and strong, but he says that this is an area where he's taking those strides. And I think that maybe, maybe the inability to make guys miss last year was more mental than physical, which is something that I hadn't really thought of. And I think that that's why it was so difficult to wrap your head around why he wasn't just a little bit more explosive. Um, and it, and it feels like I'm being kind of hard on him. It's not like he had a bad, true freshman year. He didn't. I mean, the fact that he saw the field at all is really impressive. I do think that just in terms of things like the efficiency stats, you should expect to see a pretty big step forward from him in year two. Um, physically, he said that he was working out all, all summer. Um they had some weights at his house. His little brother is a very, very uh, highly recruited high school football player. Um, and they've been doing a lot of work together, you know, going up to the high school field at times that was closed. Um, and uh, they had to just work at home. Um, but it does seem like he's ready to take a step forward. Um, still listed as six foot two, 215 pounds, same as last year. You know, again, just a guy who it's kind of tough to get a read on. Like, would it be better for him to just add another 10 pounds and be a real bruiser and give yourself a better chance of running guys over? Or if he has kind of, if the game is slowed down for him a bit, like he says that it has, and he's processing things faster, is that going to be enough that, Maybe he doesn't go down quite so easily. I mean, it's not like he went down super easily. It's just that you expect just a little bit more out of him. You know that he can do more. Um, and, and maybe just mentally he, he can put himself in a little bit better position and his speed will come into play more often. Um, last year, played in 10 games. 102 attempts, 414 yards. That's 4.1 yards per carry. Had three touchdowns, um, 10 receptions for 41 yards, one reception a game. Um, not much else statistically. Like getting a freshman to give you over four yards per carry on over 
10 rushing attempts per game is a good place to be. Um, but he certainly does need to take another step this year, especially in such a crowded backfield. Um, he, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Jarek Broussard, uh, Joe Davis. Those are two guys that uh, Jaron brought up today. Really haven't heard all that much about Sean Clayton, which is kind of a weird thing. Um, but yeah, those are some things that he had to say, some of my thoughts on them. Uh, Guy Thomas uh, seems to feel like he knows what he's doing. This is his third school, started his career at Nebraska, transferred to a JUCO, came to CU last year, uh, redshirted, and is now here in year two. Um, didn't learn all that much, um, but uh, you know he said that he's been kind of impressed with the outside linebackers, that there's good chemistry among all the outside linebackers. Um, he wants to get into the backfield. Um, excited to see what he will do this season. Uh, I think that that is pretty much all I have for today. Um, checking for comments. While I check for any questions or comments, uh, I'd like to tell you guys about Strava. Oh, no, about the, uh, um, about the Colorado Raptors. You may have heard us mention that there are some big things happening in the Colorado rugby space, and now we can spill the details. DNVR is now covering all things rugby in Colorado and in the United States. Reporter Colton Strickler is keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with the DNVR Rugby Podcast, and you can find his written rugby content uh, uh, right on our site just next to everything else um, at thednvr.com. It was just announced that Infinity Park in Glendale will be the new official training center for the men's and women's USA Eagles 15s teams. That means that Colorado is the place to be for rugby in the United States. So make sure that you are keeping up to speed with us and with Colton on the DNVR Rugby Podcast. Um, support the sport of rugby by following along with the latest news on Twitter at DNVR Rugby and... Uh, subscribe to the DMVR rugby podcast as well. It's a great time to subscribe because Colton is doing basic one-on-one pods to break down the game for you. And they're incredible. Um, he's also bringing you exclusive one-on-one interviews with some of the biggest names in American rugby. Remember supporting our partners is supporting us. So download the DMVR rugby podcast and follow along at dmvrrugby.com. All right, that's going to do it for today. If you guys have any questions, any comments, you can leave them on the post for today's show at ddmvr.com, and I'll get to all of those tomorrow. Um, not sure who we're talking to. I guess we'll talk to Carl Durrell tomorrow, player-wise. I'm not sure. Um, maybe Daniel Arias? I think maybe da Daniel Arias. Um, whoever it is, I'll be coming back to you guys right after and giving you an update on everything we learned, uh, and I'll see you then. They like my Colorado sway Cause when I'm in it play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act And when I'm in it go You know I'm acting bad Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway My Colorado sway My Colorado sway I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway My Colorado sway My Colorado sway Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado sway My Colorado sway is pushing 180 Speed and pad competence see you later, baby Colorado Army With soldiers like the Navy And voters where we stationed Patiently awaiting When I hit the field It's so hard to behave
behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hit ya. Hey, hey. And you on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with ya, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line. Yeah. I'm Colorado swag in the middle of the ring.